This week's podcast brought to you by Wiener Winks. We went for a walk this morning on the bike path and passed for the first time in ages the memorial bench that says, He wore many hats. She had a quiet strength. And once again, I think both of us thought, was her quiet strength in not saying anything about all the hats he wore? Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, this past weekend, I had the um, pretty cool experience of calling Brittany Griner's first games back in the WNBA since 2021. Um, she spent 394, I'm sorry, 294 days wrongfully detained in a Russian prison. Um, found out that at, she was in multiple lo- locations, but one of the places she was in, she was in a six by eight cell. This is a woman who is six, nine. Um, but anyway, she was, uh, she was back uh, playing for the Phoenix Mercury and their first game back was uh, in LA and then uh, on Friday, and then her first home game was in Phoenix on Sunday. And um, it was incredible, the reception she got in both places, but in particular in Phoenix. And she played great. She was phenomenal. I was stunned by how well um, she was able to play after what she's been through in the in the last 10 months. But um, anyway, it was it was just really, really cool to be a part of that moment after last year, everywhere we went, that's all anybody was talking about. You know, there was every court said we are BG. And, um, you know, there was a heaviness around the WNBA because of her absence. And um, it was really, really cool to, uh, to be able to be a part of that this past weekend. That's well said. I, I heard when you said we are BG, I was thinking of RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> um, I, you remember, of course you remember it, but a stupid thing to ask, but I feel like Chris Farley, do you remember when we were standing in Nelson Mandela's right. prison cell right. on Robben Island yeah. in South Africa? Yeah. That you was know, it, bigger, it, I think, than six by eight. Well, 28 years, but I mean. It, well, it, it, yeah. And yes, and I am n- in no I'm, way I'm not, equating, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm just not, <laughs> equating I'm not, the two. No, no, I'm not talking about square footage. Um, I'm talking about, it's one of those things that becomes impossible to imagine. You can you can yes. try to imagine, you know, you're standing in, you know, in no Mandela's prison cell. You could you could reach your reach your hands out, and I think pretty come, come pretty close to touching yeah, both okay. walls. But uh, um, you know, it's a complete failure of imagination when you're standing in one of those cells. Yes. Alcatraz tour, you know, it's almost like a, a Disneyland or something of of jail. Those tours. But uh, not not Robin Island, but uh, but it is. It's 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 it's, um, it's incomprehensible. Like one day, one night, but then yeah. ten months, and, and years. In the game in Phoenix, her, both of her parents attended, and um, I was just thinking, like I I can't imagine what it was like for Brittany. I can't imagine what those ten months were like for her parents, no. for her wife. No. Um, it's just in a lot of ways incomprehensible, and 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 that she 
at least in, in every interaction we've seen or the or her press conference has this lightness about her. Um, when we were in L.A., she came over to our broadcast crew and just gave us all a big hug and said, you know, thanks for, you know, keeping my name out there. Thanks for wearing the WeRBG pins. And I'm just sitting there thinking, really? You know, she's just she's one of those people. She just brings a ton of energy, laughing and joking with her teammates. And um, to still be that person after everything that she's been through, um, in my eyes, is pretty incredible. Well, we've started on a on a unusual note for us. We don't usually jump talk, right into the well. WNBA. Well, we don't usually talk. Uh, uh, not about the WNBA, but serious topics. We don't usually talk earnestly about anything. So it's it's nice. It's a refreshing change of pace yeah. for us. And the WNBA has started. People tune in. It's uh, like it was interesting because. Um, Oftentimes, the first month of a season is might not be the most aesthetically pleasing for sports to watch. First month of a college season, whether it's men's or women's, first month of NBA. Um, I always, I often feel that way coming off the WNBA playoffs and finals, which is always spectacular basketball in uh, in September and October, and then November there's preseason NBA, and it's like, oof, this is not good. So just because it's the first month of the season, and uh, so I was not expecting our games to to be as pretty much well played as they were it was these women were um the teams and, and players were, were looking pretty good for the first weekend of the season i'm going to be completely vulnerable here and and uh tea went up for you but what other things do you not find aesthetically pleasing <laughs> and our, our basement and, right now and are is any a of bit them, of a disaster any area. of them sitting directly across from yes you? that was that was teed up so high i chose to whiff we talked about uh, Brittany Griner, another uh, colossus of the sports world. Jim Brown died this past week, and um, I've been asked a couple of times to recall spending a couple of days with him or spending a day with him and not spending a day with him in in uh, Hollywood 29 years ago for a long piece that I wrote. Uh, and I uh, just quickly tell a couple of stories about Jim Brown that have nothing to do with whatever you've read about Jim Brown in the last week. Um, I was supposed to interview Jim Brown, and he uh, told me to schedule that interviewer, interview with his scheduler, a guy named Rockhead Johnson. And I said to Jim Brown over the phone, Rockhead Johnson. Yes, how do you spell Is it Rockhead? Rocket? Rockhead, like Rockhead. Okay, so I called the number he gave me and said, I'd like to speak to Rockhead Johnson. And the guy said, uh, this is Rock Johnson. And I realized Jim Brown calls him Rockhead, but nobody else does. And so right. he had kind of punked me. So, I wonder if Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even think. Rock Johnson. Yeah. Rock anyway. Johnson presumably wasn't his birth name. Wow. So I, I flew to L.A. from New York, where I lived at the time. and This was 1994? 1994, right before, during the O.J. Simpson pretrial hearings and, um, you know, another famous NFL running back. And uh, Jim Brown over the phone said, you know, from what I understood, he spoke in very short, cryptic sentences over the phone. He said uh, about meeting at uh, Chin Chin on Sunset, on Sunset Strip, on Sunset Boulevard. So I drove to Chin Chin, sat there for an hour and a half with no Jim Brown and no cell phones at that time, so I went back to the hotel, called him, he said, no, no. You didn't no. have a beeper? There were beepers in 1994. I didn't, I didn't have a beeper. Okay. Did you have a beeper? No. Well, but, I, but I 
I, I remember when I was at UConn at the time, there may have been one or two guys on the men's basketball team who had a beeper, but I didn't have a beeper. <laughs> well, he told me that, no, no, idiot. Oh, he didn't use those words. Take a left off of Sunset at Chin Chin Restaurant. Make a left onto Sunset Plaza. Drive up the hill and, you know, I'm house number or whatever and buzz the gate and yada, 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 which I did. Spent a few hours, wrote a long piece that's, um, I think I tweeted out. No. Uh, anyway. You should tweet it out. Um, anyway, the, the story that I'm long-windedly getting to is after I left Jim Brown's house, I was going straight to fly back to New York, straight to LAX in my rental car. Halfway there, I realized I had left my laptop, my backpack with all my notes and stuff in it at Jim Brown's house. So I drove back. The, the driveway gate was open, so I pulled into his driveway. I rang the doorbell. Nobody answered, but I could see through the little side window that my laptop and stuff was still next to the couch where I was doing the interview. So very nervously, I let myself into Jim Brown's house praying to God that I didn't... That they didn't think you were breaking and entering? Well, he would have, naturally. Uh, of course. That, that I didn't startle him coming out of the bathroom or something, you know? And I, I didn't know whether to make a big noise. Hey, it's just me returning to get my laptop or to or to try to, you know, cat burglar my way across the foyer into the sitting room, grab the stuff and leave. I chose the latter. And uh, and thank God I, I didn't... Uh, startled Jim Brown coming out of the bathroom because I got out of there uh, and flew away. So that's my Jim Brown story. If I wanted to tweet out that Sports Illustrated article from 1994, would I be able to on our Ball and Chain Twitter account? Sure. Okay, so people can go to at Ball and Chain Pod. I think that's what it is. Let me check. Yes, at Ball and Chain Pod. Okay. That's our Twitter account. What else you got? You just said... You know what? You know what I've got? I was... One of the things that delighted me when I was in both L.A. and Phoenix, because this does not happen very often at all. L.A., I was staying in a hotel where the uh, shower head was built for a seven-footer. It was phenomenal. Usually hotel shower heads, like I have to duck or, you know, to get to wash my hair. This incredible shower head that was again built for a seven footer I was like oh this 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 is delightful and then went to phoenix and again had a shower head that could accommodate someone that that tall i was two for two on my road trip out west never happens granted when we do WNBA games we, we tend to be in slightly bigger cities than when we do college games and we also stay in slightly better hotels um but it was two for two, and and p- anybody who's tall can um, kind of empathize. What, with is, what is the, the ideal height of anything taller than you? No, no, I disagree. Oh, you, well, you don't want it too tall so that the, there's no water pressure you, by the time it gets to your noggin. You want the shower head at at microphone level. If you're singing in the shower, what are you singing into? <laughs> Sometimes you have the handheld thing. Well, see, you're bald, always. so you don't even have to worry about like. You know, I got to lather up the shampoo, rinse it out, get the conditioner in there. I need a certain force, but it's just, and of course I can squat in the shower and, and hunch over or whatever I need to do to wash my hair. I would prefer not to. And um, these are just the small 
the small pleasures in life um, when you're on the road for work. Nothing and worse. It was a two for two. The only thing worse than squatting in the shower. By the way, I, I, I may be bald. Is showering I, in the squatter. I, 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 I do. I do like a spotless noggin. Okay. Yes. So I, I still, I still. Your noggin is not spotless right now. You haven't shaved it in a little bit. I, in the, uh, in the, to use the Sopranos vernacular, I do like to wet my beak, as it were, by both blasting my face with, with steaming hot I shower water. Wetting my beak was taking a sip of a drink. No, wetting your beak is take, getting a, getting a little taste, getting a, you know, a little money off the top of whatever deal was going on. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, it was a metaphor. Oh, well, my beak being my nose in this situation. Okay. But anyway, the, the, those those showers heads that have like the, what do they call them? Rain, you know, they yeah. they're straight and then they mm-hmm. come down. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fine, but it doesn't give you the uh, the stage microphone effect that right. yeah, I don't you sing want in, in the shower, shower, so that does not matter to me, even one tiny little bit. Some sing in the shower, some squat in the shower. I wonder if there's two types of people. I wonder if there are people like I. I, I I'm not opposed to singing in the shower. I've just never been moved to sing in the shower. So I wonder if there's, you know, if it, if you fall in line. Either there's people who sing in the shower or people who don't sing in the shower. Are, are there sometimes shower singers? Or are you a one or the other? I don't know. I'm I'm one and not the other. Do you listen to music in the shower? No. What do you do in the shower? I wash. No. It's one of the reasons I'm I'm... I take fast showers. It's Holly Rowe and I went for a walk um, on Friday morning. We were in L.A. And then we had to um, go to, not had to, we got to go to watch the teams, two teams shoot around. Did did Holly praise the seven-foot shower heads? (laughs) No, I don't think she noticed this. Holly Holly likes baths. So her big thing is if there's a good bathtub in the hotel we're staying. I don't ever take baths in the hotel, so I just like the tall shower. Anyway. We go for this walk and we get back to the hotel and uh, we're like, all right, we got to meet back down here in 10 minutes. She, and she said to me, she's like, you're not going to have time because I said I needed to shower. She's like, you're not going to have time to shower. I said, I'll be back down here. I think maybe it was 12 minutes. I went lobby, sixth floor, showered, dressed, grabbed my bag, and I was back down to meet her round trip 12 minutes because I, that's what I, I'm, I'm not somebody who lingers in the shower. I just go in there clean come out <laughs> for me it, it depends what i'm singing if it's if it's the 12 minute rapper's delight if it's both uh uh the loadout and stay by jackson brown long songs is what i'm saying rebecca mm-hmm. uh, i'll be in there a long time i think i've told this story before when, when we were kids uh, every summer our our big vacation was to go to cape cod and we would camp uh, at a campsite in uh north truro and uh and a- after a day at the beach, you would go to the area where they had the showers. And it was, I think, a dollar in quarters. You put in the machine, and it turned on the shower, and you had five or six minutes. And so sometimes when we'd be in a hurry back home, my, my mom would say, got to take a Cape Cod shower, which meant, like, you got to take a shower in five or six minutes. It looks a little harder after you spent the day on the beach because you're trying to get all the sand out of the places it shouldn't be. But... Um, yeah, I think that's where my, my ability to speed shower comes from is those camping trips to uh, north of Highland Campground well, we're in gonna, Cape Cod. We're going to have to do the uh, podcasting equivalent of speed showering today yes. because uh, we have a lot of viewer mail. And, and, and so you little have time. a piano lesson today. And 
my only you, you got to get there. My only thirty sacrosanct minutes of the week is is my panelist, and I, I might spend twenty eight of those minutes talking about the Knicks, my piano teacher's favorite subject, or we might just talk about music, or I might actually play piano. But either way, I got to get there, and we got to get through this. Uh, but I do mail. need people to to write in at ballandchainpod at gmail dot com and let us know which side of the shower you know spectrum they they fall on are they people who sing in the shower people who don't or is there a hybrid model or is there some some other activity i don't need to know that <laughs> maybe they're maybe they're doing you know just, just macrame singing. or something i don't know just singing <laughs> big bad look throw our lure reel us in with your pure mayor Hello, Rebecca and Steve, exclamation mark, writes Tim M. I attended high school in the late 1970s. Our favorite cafeteria foods were freshly baked chocolate chip soft cookies, soft Oof. pretzels, soft served chocolate shakes, and fresh French fries. What? This the, was in the 70s the, where? Uh, he doesn't say. this. The fresh cheeseburgers wrapped in aluminum foil were good too, especially because the fact that they were wrapped in foil made everything melt together as well as helped hide the fact that the beef was probably some kind of meat product instead of pure beef. This pure cafeteria beef. sounds amazing. Well, I'm gonna, well, it does. Keep going. But we didn't think much about the ingredients in high school. One day, perhaps these can be the t- treats in the retirement home. Of course, we're all supposed to avoid these foods now because they're bad for you, but man, do they taste good. Thanks for bringing back great memories. Homemade chocolate chip cookies, chocolate milkshake, in a, ca- uh, a cafeteria? Served by a hair-netted lunch lady of, of you know, classic central my, casting. My grandmother, when we were young, um, worked in a cafeteria. I don't remember if it was at a hospital or um, a school. And do, did your school, when you were in elementary school, ever do the thing where they collected um, Campbell's soup sure, labels? Sure, of course. Uh, Sister Roseanne, the principal, would say, save your, over the PA, save your Camp Bell's soup labels. Camp Bell's soup labels. So that was a fundraiser for the school where, because my grandmother worked in the cafeteria, she would give them to my brother. They were these massive labels, and they were worth more. Yeah. But, like, all these kids are coming in with their little tiny Campbell's soup right. labels, and, and it was Campbell's, and he's coming in with these, like – like legal size, paper size. He, he, um, he brought in soup labels. He brought in an original Andy Warhol Campbell's soup <laughs> painting. Also, my Amtrak thoughts, writes Tim. The, the one, the Pear Marquette, which goes from Chicago to St. Joseph, Michigan, on the shores of Lake Michigan. It continues to Holland, Michigan, and ends in Grand Rapids. Great way to beat the traffic leaving Chicago and see the sunset as you make your way up the west coast of Michigan. The Pear Marquette, beautiful. Two, I once decided it would be a cool adventure to take the train from New York City home to Chicago. It sounded like a great idea, making its way from NYC to Philly to Baltimore to D.C. and then on through Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Indiana before arriving in Chicago. Well, I think it was quite a circuitous route, no? I think it was called the Way Too Longo Line. <laughs> <laughs> While I did see some cool things along the way, there were too many scheduled stops and took over uh, 24 hours to complete this journey. All in all, however, it was a memorable trip, and I'm glad I did it. Thanks again for the laughs and friendly banter, Tim. You and I today were walking on a rails uh, to trails path yeah. um, in Connecticut. And as we were walking, I said to you, like, I, I love these paths. I love we get to walk on them and exercise on them. But it would be pretty awesome if there was still a train that went on them. Like, let's go <clears throat> to the town just north of us. All right, let's catch the train. Let's put the kids on the train to school. Like, there, it would be kind of neat if some of this, these trains still existed in places that they no longer do. And maybe uh, our great-grandchildren, they'll be converting them uh, from trails to rails. And um, we'll see that again. If once the 
fossil fuels are depleted. Uh, Julie in Nebraska writes, Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Here's a good one for you. In my small town in Iowa, we had something called Wiener Winks. Wiener Winks. I think we have our brought to you by. W-I-N-K-S? No, yeah. Wiener, Wiener spelled Winks. the standard way. Wiener right. Winks. It was a hot dog wrapped in a bread dough-like substance and then baked, so the entire hot dog was covered in bread. We like to jokingly ask the question, have you ever seen a Wiener Wink? <laughs> They, they were teeing you up there. My favorite lunchroom food was peanut butter bars with chocolate icing. Here's the recipe, and she encloses a link. Oh, awesome. So I'll save that. That sounds yummy. I like peanut butter. Yeah. We had vending machines at our high school, but they shut down the power to them when lunch periods began, so we couldn't eat or drink, quote, junk for lunch. If we wanted a can of pop for lunch, we had to remember to get it from the vending machine before 11 a.m. Thanks for always making me smile and even laugh out loud at your podcast, Julie in Nebraska. Thank so- you, Julie. Right now I'm thinking, because if I'm going to eat a hot dog, I, I need a con- some condiments, um, whether it's mustard or ketchup or whatever. So I wonder if they would, like, put a couple squirts of ketchup or mustard on the plate and then, like, dip the the wiener wink in it. Because what's the – because if it's wrapped in bread, you're probably not putting the condiment on the bread part, right? I would I would think. But Remind I mean- me when we were in Chicago. What's Chicago styles at No Ketchup? It had, you know, peppers and all yeah, kinds and, of stuff and, on it. Uh, yeah, yeah it was Any delicious. Human style is no ketchup. You no don't ketchup. put ketchup on a hot okay. dog. Well, you let our daughter put ketchup on her hot dog. I, I'll allow it, but I'm, you know, I'm but not. But you won't. You'll allow it, but you don't. Um, I'm I'm like the gruff judge in a encourage movie. Encourage it. What's that? I, I'm like the gruff judge in, in 800 different movies where he says, oh, I'll allow it. Right. Just this one time. Uh Train tracks and facts. All right, let's uh, hear it. Writes our resident poet Michael in F A X, like uh, oh, F A C T S, like the old way to communicate. This is this is Michael in Higashi Kitazawa. Uh, hello, Michael. Dear Stephen Rebecca, now I've stolen his first line. Greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. Mm-hmm. As always, I hope this finds you well. Per Rebecca's request and per my own experience, here are six quick and random facts about the Tokyo Rail and subway system. Remember, you asked. I did. You're very inquisitive about the Tokyo yes, Rail and, and subway system. you were system. almost annoyed that, that I didn't ask you. Uh, one, all the stations, platforms, and trains are immaculate. Of course they are. In general, litter and graffiti are very rare sites in Japan. Two, for its remarkable size, the Tokyo Rail and subway system is incredibly on time. It exudes a raw punctuality, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Three, the train cars are, as Rebecca described, bench-like seating around the perimeter of each car with everyone facing each other. Okay, so just like the New York subway. Four, no one ever talks on the trains. Interesting, really. Except, of course, tourists, writes Michael. Do you, is there ever the person talking to someone imaginary as they, like, rock back and forth? Because we had those on the New York subways frequently, We still, we still do, yes. I, I was on the subway most recently a few weeks ago going from Yankee Stadium to Fordham Road. Uh, it still is full of uh, vibrant characters. Mm. Five, the rush hour trains, especially the express trains, are still ridiculously crowded. However, since COVID, I have yet to see those infamous train slash subway employees attempting to cram any lingering strands of humanity into an already overcrowded train car. Well, of course, COVID has yes. kiboshed that. Yes. Uh, I think those days might very well be over, writes Michael. Six, even though Japan's official mask-optional decree went into effect a few months ago, most people still wear masks on the trains. That's probably smart. I still wear masks uh, when I fly. 
mask when I fly. Keep happy and healthy. I remain Michael. Thank you, Michael. I mean, the mask is so great when you fly. If you nap, because I'm, I, then if your mouth is open, nobody sees. So if you have a mask that's comfortable, there's to me there is zero downside to wearing it when you fly. So I've I've continued to wear mine. Uh, Brian J from River Edge, New Jersey, right, which is next to Hackensack BTW. He adds, mm-hmm. writes, "Dear Restiva, a few comments Are from." Are you a com- talking now like our youngest does, where she sometimes says things like BTW? No, he wrote. Brian J. from River Edge, New Jersey, which is next to Hackensack, a BTW. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dear Restiva, a few comments from a completionist about last week's program. A, I once took the Hiawatha, I mean, the Hiawatha from Chicago to Milwaukee. I now vaguely recall that the Chicago to Milwaukee run is the Hiawatha. Uh, the highlight was when Isn't Buddy- is that in a commercial, Hiawatha? Greeting from Camp Hiawatha. Wasn't that like a Tide commercial or a soap commercial? It might be. Hello, mother. Hello, that's father. that's Camp Granada. No, greetings uh, from Camp Hiawatha. I'm pretty sure. Uh, are in you, my version, are you? Am I hallucinating here? What? That's the the incredibly famous song. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. No, no, this is a commercial. Greetings from Camp Hiawatha. Swimming's cool here, but this place is not like home. I miss our fresh soft pillowcases. Uh, must must be a commercial. It is. It was. I just, I don't know if that's the right town, although I think it is. And um, I don't know if it was Tide or what, but somebody Hiawatha. somebody listening will remember this. Hiawatha is a famous, I mean. Well, I, I only know it as part of that song. Okay. Anyway. Uh, let's just, uh, let me let's read this. On. The highlight was when my buddy dropped me off at Union Station and told me to picture Elliot Ness saving a baby stroller rolling down the steps <laughs> inside the station. So that was A. Two, on a road trip in college, a buddy took the whole napkin holder from Mickey D's because he thought it would fit next to his shifter in his car. He was right. fit perfectly. <laughs> so we talked about you know, how many napkins you take at, at McDonald's. Yes. This guy took the whole napkin dispenser. Nice. And fit perfectly in the shifter. Did he restock it then? And D, as soon as Steve uh, read about DGS saying E4 for the first baseman, I was correcting him. It's a guy thing. I predict DGS will agree and say it was a rookie mistake and he should have known better. Keep potting Brian J. Well, that's the only reason I corrected DGS because I knew listeners would be offended if I didn't. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Greetings from Kent. Hi, Obama. Swimming's cool here, but this place is not like home. I miss you nice fresh pillowcases. I did not know that. See, so. That was for what? Tide? Uh, Downey. Downey. From 1985. So I would have been 11 or 12 years old in I, 1985. I sent Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry a text a couple days ago, and he replied, OMG, this is the greatest text that anybody has ever sent me. And it was a circa 1990 or something uh, I can't believe it's not butter spray commercial mm-hmm. featuring Fabio, in oh. which he says uh, uh, the tagline is, "I can't believe it's not butter spray." Uh, I just I remember, remember that, that always that just really Fabio version. Just Uncle Tom loved that uh, more than anything, and uh, I was happy to find it on stumble upon it on YouTube. Uh, thank you, Brian. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, Ralph in Maryland writes, Hi, Restiva. DGS preferred uh, DGS referred to the possibility of needing a spinal tap to determine whether he had meningitis. 
During my recent hospitalization, I underwent a lumbar puncture which failed to collect enough fluid to eliminate various neurological diseases, such as meningitis. Lumbar puncture. When the test was initially described to me, it sounded to me like a spinal tap. I was told it was. I thanked DGS for using the old term, but his profession might issue him a reprimand for not using the new term. I did enjoy the movie entitled Spinal Tap. Maybe that's why the profession thought it needed a new name. So Uh, a spinal tap is now now called a lumbar puncture. uh, Apparently. Oof. I don't want either one of those no, well, things. We hope you're doing well, Ralph, and yes. um, and uh, Spinal Tap is a, is a great movie. Yes. The lumbar puncture. Is, is not a delightful phrase. No, not a delightful phrase, but it would be a band name. Mm, that's true. There was a sense of adventure, writes Ralph, when my brother and I were sent to Florida from Penn Station in New York City on the Pullman sleeper cars way back when. Such a romantic uh, Pullman sleeper cars. Mm-hmm. Metro North can get very old very quickly. Agreed. I hope that does not happen to your daughter. Uh, sincerely, thank you, Ralph. We appreciate that. So far, she's a, she's a, a, a train aficionado. Yes. Marty from Kansas, M-A-R-D-Y. Hello, Marty. Our resident Aussie rules football enthusiast. Mm. Writes, uh, Rebecca and Steve. On your last podcast, you, parentheses Rebecca, asked for recollections of school lunch menus and memories. Growing up in a small town in Wyoming, we had delicious school lunches made by two moms, both named Connie, if I remember correctly, including the rectangular pizza slices, always served with corn. Chili. With, wait, not corn on the pizza. I doubt it. Okay. Chili and homemade cinnamon rolls, and the ever popular chicken nuggets, green beans, and freshly baked rolls. We were truly spoiled by all of the delicious options, and that reminds me we also had occasionally uh, cinnamon rolls would pop up, and those were. Beloved. But theirs were homemade by a couple of moms. Shakes and cinnamon incredible. rolls, man. Yeah. Moms named Connie. Both named Connie. Yeah. On another note, growing up just south of Yellowstone Park, what? Okay. Let's hear it. Imagine that. I know. Growing I- up just south of Yellowstone Park, we didn't have any trains to ride, so all of my train adventures happened overseas. In fact, one of the first times I remember riding on a train, I was 15 and rode the bullet train from Hiroshima, Japan, to one of the northern prefectures as an exchange student. Shout out to Michael in the Tokyo suburbs. Ah. The aforementioned Michael yes. and Higashi Kitazawa. Finally, while we didn't, I, mean, I'm, I can't get past growing up just south of Yellowstone Park. I know. What I wonder amazing, if you're going to be just something of Yellowstone if south is the place to be. It's like you think it's like the wrong side of the of the. Maybe of it's, the, is it better than just north or just east or just west? I don't know. I mean, we, I've I've never I've been all over the United States, never been to Yellowstone. Well, we but should we, we should, should, we should that. fix that at some point. Finally, why we didn't have a drive-through dairy that was robbed at gunpoint a few times, writes Marty. Like the listener in California, we did have two drive-through liquor stores. They are, in fact, the only drive-throughs in our small town, as there isn't a fast food joint within seventy miles. This is in Kansas. But there are two drive-through two. liquor stores. Two. Well, if you drive through the one and and, and uh, need more, you don't have to go back. You can I've keep going forward. I've never felt um, like it was a problem to get out of the car and walk into a liquor store. Well, for some people it is. Apparently. As always, thank you for entertaining us each week and for allowing us to reminisce with you on life growing up in the 80s and 90s. Your resident Aussie rules football enthusiast, Marty. I mean, what a life. Yeah, bullet trains, obviously enough experience done on her to mm-hmm. know and love Aussie rules football. And that, that uh, 
can I call it idyllic childhood? I have no idea, but it seems like a quite an interesting place to uh, have grown up. Yeah. Napkins and more writes uh, uh, Coach D from St. Michael's College. Oh, hey. Hello, Rebecca Steve. Wow, first trains and now napkin talk. I can't believe my luck. If you talk about minor league baseball or 80s heavy metal hair bands, next you will hit the trifecta with me. Well, I think spinal tap slash lumbar puncture will qualify for 80s Mm -hmm. metal bands. Rebecca, no, I do not have a podcast, but I've often thought about starting one. And as far as when I would take my train ride from Montreal to Vancouver, to Vancouver, I would have to say fall would be the time. I imagine traveling through Thunder Bay, Ontario, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, then getting a glimpse of Lake Louise and Alberta before passing into British Columbia with the snow-capped Canadian Rockies around me. And I've uh, seen Lake Louise. Pardon? I've seen Lake Louise. You've seen Lake Louise? Mm Mm-hmm. In person? Yes. Just as an aside. Wow. And uh, and I do love your book idea about visiting the various hockey towns along the way. I'm wondering if anyone there at Pod Central knows a good publisher. I know good publishers. There just are fewer than there than there ever have been. Yes. Now on to napkins. My family makes fun of me regularly. By the way, those Canadian towns, you know, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, it has to be has to be included in any uh, litany of of Great Canadian town names. Now on to napkins. My family makes fun of me regularly on my napkin obsession. I learned it from my late Grandpa Pete, Grandpa Pete Potaki, who always took a nice handful of napkins on his way out of any restaurant. And yes, any self-respecting youth sports parent has to have a substantial stash of napkins in their glove box at all times. In fact, I just reloaded mine at the Jersey Mike's in nearby to you all, Simsbury, Connecticut. Folded nicely and not too big for the glove box. We are kindred spirits on this topic for sure. Interestingly, Rebecca, we've been to that Jersey Mike's. We've been to that Jersey Mike's plenty of times, and well, you've been and, there plenty. I've and there been ha- there on occasion, and we happen to have a large stash of napkins from that very Jersey Mike's. Do we? We do. Oh, nice. Finally, I forgot to actually. Add, we did. We did what? We have had that stash? stash. I cleaned out the area where we keep our napkins, and we don't if you no think longer that, have the ones from th- Jersey Mike's. If you think they're. Uh, Sandwiches are expensive, and they are, but they're delicious. Uh, and this is not a paid endorsement of any kind. I think it's partially because of the, the napkin tax, if you're taking right. too many well, napkins. Just, it, interestingly, it was just this morning that I cleaned out our napkin area, and uh, we no longer have the Jersey Mike's okay. ones. Finally, I forgot to add in last time a very fond memory of Burger Chef for me. I, you know, appeared on, like, Instagram or something, an ad for Burger Chef T-shirts. They're spying on us, Rebecca. Each year as a kid, we would travel from Connecticut to Vermont on an annual ski trip. The highlight of the trip each year was stopping at the Burger Chef in Greenfield, Mass. I've never been there. You've never been to Greenfield, no, Mass? No, I've never been to the Burger Chef in Greenfield. I'm sure I've been to Greenfield. It was just off the exit, and after devouring our cheeseburgers, isn't Penn or Teller from Greenfield? I don't know. Yeah. The one Penn. who talks Penn or the one who doesn't? The, the talker. Oh, I don't know. And after devouring our cheeseburgers and fries, we were always able to head over to the Make Your Own Sunday Bar and fill our styrofoam bowls with ice cream and hot caramel topping. It was quite a thrill for all of us. Hot caramel or hot caramel, Rebecca? Caramel. No, and caramel. that's my favorite topping, too, like on a McDonald's Sunday or something. Because I remember my mom used to sometimes get like a hot fudge sundae with caramel. And um, I really liked the caramel, too. And, and nuts. She always got the nuts, And if too. you can't... Uh, Get it out of a uh, out of a miniature batting helmet. Ice cream is best served, I think, in a in a styrofoam bowl, so that the spoon squeaks well, when see, you scrape I it. I liked it when it was in that like that clear plastic, like at McDonald's. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kidding about the styrofoam bowl. It sounds it sounds like it would be squeaky. Yeah, the NHL is down to the last four teams, and the Hurricanes 
parentheses, whalers are down, but not quite out yet. Be well, and I will check in from the train as I just submitted my resignation order in order to become a full-time author. Coach D, well, <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, full-time author. Writing his book, going yeah. from city to city in hockey season but in Canada. He knows that's, uh, he says that um, Tongue in cheek. facetiously because um, submitting your resignation to become a full-time author is not... Uh, not what the saying do. No, the saying keep their day job while also being a full-time author. Yes. Have two full-time jobs then. Hi, Rebecca and Steve, writes uh, Melinda. Having also grown up in Bloomington, Minnesota, well, hello, well, hello Melinda. Melinda. My husband and I totally get Steve's warm recollection of the school lunch pizza burgers. With that, I'm happy to pass along the recipe, Rebecca, from the official Bloomington School Lunch cookbook from back in the 70s. Oh, my gosh. My mother-in-law made these for family trips to the lake, which invariably led to contests among our nephews for who could eat the most. Years later, they've become a treat. My husband and grown daughters and I have shared with friends many, many times. Everyone loves them. Well, of course they do. I mean, uh, I'm going to have to make them. This you're going to have to make them. Well, we have a menu. We've seen menu items in restaurants called pizza burgers, often amounting to a hamburger with pizza-like toppings that are nothing like what we know to be real pizza burgers. Admittedly, the primary tie to a burger that Bloomington Pizza Burgers has is half is the half of a hamburger bun. Yes, so it's open faced, mm-hmm. as as a, as is a pizza. The bottom half, I'm assuming. No, no. The the, uh, the you use the top bun, and all the ingredients are under it, and it hangs like stalactites or stalagmites, which everyone hangs down. You could turn the top one upside down, sweetheart. I, I thought you were suggesting. That. <laughs> I thought you were asking <laughs> you were, which you side were... of the bun you which. Yes, the, the bottom you only bun. use half of the oh, bun. Oh, yes, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, yeah. I thought you were saying. Yes, <laughs> like a stalact. Is it slactite or well, slactite? I don't know. Why, why isn't any of this stuff sticking? I, I, it's hard to eat. Well, I, in the future, put it, put it on the bottom bun. Move on. As you look at the recipe, you see two generic references to ingredients that always bring a chuckle. Luncheon ham. Luncheon ham is better known as spam. And the grated cheese is actually Velveeta. Ah, spam and Velveeta, huh? There's spam in it? Spam and Velveeta. I don't mind that there's Velveeta, but there's spam in it. I don't even know where to find spam in the grocery oh, store. Oh, my. You don't find it in, in the refrigerated section. It's on a pizza burger is made with spam? If you use fancier versions of those ingredients, it's just not the same frowny face emoji. You're absolutely I, right. I, I can't criticize maybe, until I try. Maybe, writes Melinda, this becomes a new Russian family favorite. It absolutely does. It will. The The uh, menu is here, Rebecca. Uh, pound recipe, of ground beef, half a pound of luncheon ham. I use spam, sage, oregano, spaghetti sauce, cheese. I use Velveeta, parsley, and uh, hamburger bun. And and uh, anyway, this is a keeper. All right. And um, let me just X out of here. Okay, we've got a couple more here, Rebecca. Then I've got to go uh, play some uh, very bad jazz piano. Uh, Hello, writes Jill. I have a question. I believe I heard Rebecca say on episode 245 that she'll be calling the Phoenix Mercury home opener this Sunday. I'm hoping that I heard correctly. I would love to meet you, Rebecca. I'm an avid listener to the podcast and also your resident archaeologist. That's Jill. This came, Rebecca, uh, last Friday, so uh, I'm five days ago. And I did get to meet Jill. You did? Yes, but I owe Jill an an apology because— Oh, dear. Yes. I was sitting at the announce table— and um, chatting with Ryan um, and kind of pressed to get oh, back on headsets. So I heard somebody calling my name. And when I turned and looked, I don't I don't know that I had the friendliest look on my face. But when she said, hi, I'm your resident archaeologist, I, I was then pleasant and, and stuff. If I had had more time, 
I sh- I would have gotten up, walked over, said hello, been been more cordial than I was. So I apologize that I did not get up and uh, come over. As you will um, the next time you're in Phoenix, calling a game in Phoenix. Yeah, I will. But um, did, did other people find it strange that somebody says, "Hey, Rebecca, I'm your resident archaeologist," no, and people and people who were not she, familiar with the podcast said. Rebecca Lobo has a resident archaeologist. She just said hello and was very, very friendly and mentioned the podcast and mentioned that she was our resident archaeologist. And I just feel like I, I especially initially, wasn't as friendly as I should have been, and I'm sorry about that. As you should have been to anybody, even if they weren't our resident archaeologist, even no, if course. even if they were just a, a civilian archaeologist who had nothing to do with our of podcast. Of course, there's sometimes there's just like. Oh, well, you, harried you, stuff you, going you, on in the truck, you, and people don't know that there's communication happening because you, they don't. You, you, they don't you, see. You so. don't have to tell me. I've seen. I've gotten that look many times. Yes, but she, you, and but every time I give you that look, you've deserved it. She did not. She deserved uh, a much friendlier. Hello. I said, but Rebecca, I'm your resident archaeologist. <laughs> well, Jill, thank you, and, and and it was a pleasure to meet you, Jill, and I hope. I don't know if I have another – I have a, a slew of Phoenix games. I don't know if I have any more in Phoenix. If I do, please come back down and say hello, and I can properly get up and come over and speak with you. Uh, Lori Tufshist writes, Stephen, Rebecca, I have a, had a, a question about graffiti on trains for a long time. Why does so much of it look the same? like the same artist painted it? The style is the same. Graffiti artists must have to take a class on the 3D lettering before they can paint on a train. Is there a small group of people that do all the painting? Some some may be doing an homage to uh, to the, to the the greats of the graffiti Are there game. Like graf- yes, oh graffiti my gosh. apprentices, Gra- graffiti uh, and graffiti masters, artists. Is, oh man, there are. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know their names, but uh, that's just because there must be a coffee table book somewhere with oh, like the best graffiti. Several, art. I'm sure. I, I'll I'll have to look that up because I'm now interested. This is from an old discussion. Writes Tough Schist. Stone Curtis and I would like an explanation about the fewer than ten item signs in the grocery store. We do not understand what is wrong with this grammar. Uh, no, the, the, there's nothing wrong with the fewer than ten item sign. The, it's the less than ten item sign. Or ten items or less. Ten items or less that that's the norm. That's what you usually see: ten items or less, or eleven items or less. And uh, it ought to be eleven items or fewer. So you're citing the correct sign. The incorrect sign is the you know, it would be, it would be. I think uh, she's asking why is that incorrect? Oh, because, it, because, you know, if there are items that are countable, it's going to be fewer. If there are items, if it's something that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, something that's not countable, like, like, um, I want, uh, if there, there are, uh, uh, no, not, not countable. Uh, I want, uh, I'll have less soda next time you bring the, uh, the drinks, you know? So this says, uh, I just looked it up quickly on Google. Use the adjective viewer to describe countable items, as you just said. Otherwise, use the adjective less. In general, if the noun is plural, use fewer. If it's singular, use less. Fewer treadmills line the floor of the gym. That's their example. There isn't a Steve Russian example in this, uh, in the dictionary well, you're not for looking fewer at versus less. Really? Shocking. Ball and Chain uh, podcast is still my favorite. Writes Tough Schist. I look forward to it every week. Hopefully, I've not made any grammatical errors or have any misspellings. Uh, oh, of course, if 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 you had, I wouldn't notice them nor call any attention to them. As <laughs> as our next guest knows, and that is Doctor Siegel. Doctor Siegel. Doctor Siegel. I have a random email here from Doctor Siegel, which is just a tennis ball can 
that has got to be from no later than 1995 or so from his father's collection. And he closes a photo. It's this tennis ball can of Wilson Championship mm. Extra Duty Felt for Hard Courts Tennis Balls. Uh, it is old. It's from before 1995. I would say it's from the 80s at the latest. I would because, say it's something I need to post on our uh, yeah, it, it, ball but, and chain but he, he uh, has, Instagram handle. He has put a masking tape over the can and written, this is Dr. Siegel's father, Allen wrenches. So he collected his Allen wrenches in a tennis ball can, a steel tennis ball can, the kind that, you know, that like old uh, Coke and yes. beer cans were. Well, go to go to our uh, Instagram handle. That's at ball and chain podcast. And I will post that picture. I've been much better, by the way, about posting stuff on Instagram. So we For those who don't believe that this one will go up there. We haven't fully emptied the uh, coffee can yet. But when we do, we're, yeah. we're looking forward to putting – I'll put some Allen wrenches in there. We, God knows we have drawers full of Allen wrenches that we'll never use again for, for uh, shelves that were put together and, and disassembled in the last 20 years. But yes. we still have the Allen wrenches. That's all that remains. Yes. Someday, in the smoking uh, husk of planet Earth, all that will remain – or steel tennis ball cans of Allen wrenches. It's lovely. Thank you. Finally, Dr. Siegel uh, comes with his uh, his wrap-up email, and it begins. Uh, it's 10 p.m. on Monday yet again. Dear Rebecca and Steve, I'm terribly embarrassed at making two errors in two notes, and as Rebecca correctly pointed out, I was indeed cringing on Monday night when these errors were kindly and correctly pointed out by Steve, who, like me, seeks accuracy and precision in his work. And and yeah, when I and, 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 accuracy and, and precision are slightly more important and, in his work, and, not to diminish your work as a writer, but slightly more important important when you're delivering children. Well, I mean, I would say it's the same. He's bringing new life into the world, and I'm bringing, you know, a, a, a simulacrum of new life into the world. So six of one half dozen, six of one half dozen, the half dozen of the other. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. Sounds so much like fulcrum. Fulcrum? Mm, semi-fulcrum. Would that be if somebody had like half of a... That's a filtrum. You're thinking of the filtrum, the thing oh, under your nose. What is the what is A fulcrum, fulcrum is like a like a lever, like, you know, you, if you're pr- like a pry bar, like a crowbar, it's a, it's a fulcrum. Simulacrum is something completely See, I different. I was only asking these things to prove your point, that you are as important as an obstetrician. No, but I'm, I'm as self-important as an obstetrician. <laughs> Uh, my late father probably rolled over in his grave with my E4 confusion as, of course, all caps, I know that position four is the second baseman. And Dr. Siegel, of course, I know that you know that. Right. It's just a simple one keystroke away when you're sending the the email. I may need a Pepsid or even a nitroglycerin tablet due to my error, but perhaps I am being hyperbolic. That What, what would that be in baseball scoring? E-O-B-G-Y-N? How do you score that, Dr. Siegel's error? E-D-G-S, I think we'll say. As always, it is Monday night late, and I'm rushed due to my own poor planning, but I did enjoy the recent podcast and as a, as a nice break from the trials and tribulations of work. And let me be quite clear that I am fortunate by being a physician to have the best job in the world, according to a, psychi- a psychiatrist colleague of mine who gives encouragement to me, along with fellow physicians as we enjoy hospital food. Is that an oxymoron? Sequestered away from the common folks in a physician's dining room so that we can converse about life in general and life in medicine in specific. Can you imagine? I mean, it must be fascinating to be a psychologist in a hospital. Absolutely. Like, it's just probably. Has, it, has that has that position been explored in any of the 10,000 hospital dramas that have been on TV? I don't know. Uh, probably it's been a long time uh, since I've... House. We used to watch House, oh, and there's like a lot House of uh, a lot. that's the last last hospital drama I watched. With uh, other than 
your own birth of children and stuff. You lived right. the hospital dramas. Right, right. One, I'm honored and humbled to have been mentioned along with Michael Jordan's flu game and in a recent podcast as an Iron Man such as Cal Ripken Jr. I'm not worthy. He is both Michael Jordan and Cal Ripken as far as we're concerned. Of course worthy. Two, belatedly I sent a picture of a metal tennis can with Allen wrenches inherited from my father's tool closet. I saw it. I loved it. And uh, we just talked about it. Yeah, and we're going to post it. Three, school lunches. Ketchup was indeed a vegetable in the Reagan era, and recently chocolate milk has come under fire as having too much sugar. Apparently, the parents want the children to have milk, but the nutrition experts are concerned about sugar and obesity. Oy vey, writes Dr. Siegel. This is the thing, though. If you give kids regular milk, they, they're not going to drink it. So, right. Well, that's, that's exactly. You know, so... What you going to do? Four, drive through dairy. When we lived in Jacksonville, Florida for a year in the mid-80s, there was a milk store, a small building, probably 20 by 30 feet, where you could drive up on either side and get dairy products. They were run by Skinner's Dairy, and the link is below. So I'll, I'll look up Skinner's Dairy's milk store. If, yeah, I wonder if it looked anything like Pioneer Dairy. Five, Steve, I've been admonished for using restaurant napkins for dinner as well. However, I've noticed that the two-ply napkins of years past, which could be unfolded and give you decent coverage, have given way to small, single-ply napkins. Absolutely, almost translucent. You know, it's it's unfortunate, and it happened um, this morning. Uh, I was driving one of our kids, or maybe it was yesterday, and um, I always keep a box of Kleenex in the car. It was, it was emptied. They needed Kleenex. So I said, oh, but there's napkins in the glove box. And it was one of the single ply napkins, yeah. and um, it was a forceful nose blow, and it was uh, it was not a pretty sight. Well, Doctor Siegel recommends Chick Fil A still has pretty decent napkins, as they are quite detail oriented, but many other fast food places do not. Well, we now know Jersey Mike's has good ones. Well, they're they're, they're okay. Yeah. They're just plentiful. Six. There is no baby report. Ooh. Seven, Gail, mother of photosynthesis and various molecules, relates a great labor story about riding the train to appointments. Having a woman's water break in the office is, well, a mess, as the office doesn't have the linen and people to clean up as handily as labor and delivery does. I found that prior to newspaper I found that prior to newspapers being online, if I wanted someone to deliver, all I had to do was go buy a local paper, and that speeds up labor. If I didn't, labor took longer. Of course, they're going to go into labor while he's either gone or as he's preparing of to course. read. Absolutely. Just, I wonder, Dr. Siegel, let us know what's your, your go-to section. He was reading, he was, he, come on, he's a brave son. He was reading the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's uh, sports section. Do they have Braves a science coverage. section? Some papers have like a uh, no, science not, section. Uh, probably like on Arts. Wednesdays or something, but as a daily like section. USA Today, when I was traveling and there would be ones outside, that you never have those outside your hotel rooms anymore. But mm -hmm. anyway, when you used to, my go-to first was the purple section. So I life. Could do life. So I could do the crossword. And then the red or orange section red for was sports. sports. Then the front section. Green was money and green business. green was yeah. last. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That was the correct way to... Uh, <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm talking about newspaper reading using colors. <laughs> I know. Um, and you've I bought never the very been first. Proud I've, of no, me. I've, 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 I've never. I, I bought the very first USA Today out of a USA Today coin box when they started appearing. I just it, it was much hyped. I think it was 1982, and I was a newspaper uh, nerd in high school, and I couldn't wait to get that first. I think it was it a quarter, and then it went up to fifty cents. Pardon? Is it still like I, I know it's yeah, yeah, available sure. online, yeah, but yeah. is it still published? Oh, physically? as a physical paper? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it is. I it's you know usually in hotels, but I haven't seen it. In, and I wonder in its heyday, and in the heyday of reading newspapers, um, what percent of its business was hotels? It had to be at least fifty percent. No, I mean it was it was everywhere, but but it was in a lot it was of hotels. In every hotel. Yeah. 
David Dupree on the NBA. Uh, yes, I could, I yes. could go through everybody. Eight, the Formula One report is not good. Steve, you are indeed correct that the Italian Grand Prix has been held at Monza for years, and it comes in early September, I think. Due to COVID-19, the pandemic, in 2020, the races were confined to Europe, and tracks that had fallen off the schedule, such as Imola in northern Italy, were substituted for flyaway races out of Europe. Sadly, due to massive flooding in the Emilia-Romagna part of Italy, where the track resides, Lives have been lost, emergency services are stretched thin, and the race was canceled. Next up, Monaco on Memorial Day weekend, where if Aston Martin driver and double world champion Fernando Alonso can out-qualify the Red Bulls, he might win the race as the track is low speed and the Red Bulls have incredibly straight line speed. Incredible straight line speed. Monaco is not a track that has long straights or a large portion of the lap at full throttle, so there is hope for a different winner than a Red Bull. By the way, the name of the canceled race, Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Mare in Italy e dell'Emilia Romagna 2023. Oh, that's a mouthful. I will. I, I would say so, but Rebecca, to me, uh, the, the Monaco Grand Prix is, uh, is one of the very few things that I have never, sporting things that I've never seen live in person or covered and it's always been on my uh, sports bucket list the monaco grand prix driving to the streets of monaco it's very it was my 1970s wide world of sports childhood uh, ideal ideal of uh, of like european glamour nine and finally the littles are all well and the baby boy now almost four months is giggling at his older sister who adores him my daughter and her granddaughter three and a half years old are visiting over memorial day weekend so i'm chuffed Another uh, uh, Britishism that uh, Dr. Siegel likes to use. Your humble correspondent, again, late on a Monday night and not proofreading, Gary Gary with three R's. So he wasn't proofreading. No, I'm kidding. It was Gary with two R's. Poor Dr. Siegel. He can't win. Dr. Siegel, His, thank you. It's a flawless, a flawless it missive. It was. He stuck the landing. pretend that he did something wrong. I anyway, just... Dr. Siegel, thank you for once again writing in. Denny Gallagher, thank you for producing this podcast. Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest it's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.